Oh my goodness. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Story on the Spot. My name is Jim Heskett. I'm the arbiter of this experiment. And going around clockwise is Mr. R.A. McGee. It says clown to the left of him, Joker to the right. Down below, Kevin Tumlinson. And then to the left, Nick, not where Kevin is, Thacker, because they are actually may or may not be sitting at the same table from opposite sides. You can't really see. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, one thing I want to let me put up this banner here real quick. If you're watching live or if you're watching later, I'll look at that. Comment down below and uh, tell us where you're watching from. Tell us where you are watching from. And don't forget to vote for your favorite story pitch after each round. Kevin and Nick are moving around a little bit. All right. Um, so last week, we have a winner from last week, uh, and it's Mr. R.A. McGee. But we really only had a couple of votes. We have people out there. We really need you to vote for your favorite stories today. And I am going to put this up here. Boom. So what I'm going to do here is I am going to read this story prompt and then the three guys around me are going to pitch me ideas. And then you watching at home, uh, Joan Bailey's watching from New Jersey, you watching at home, let us know which one of the story pitches you think won the round. Okay. Uh, Kevin stepped away. So uh, <laughs> there's Kevin. Aquabear to the rescue. A northern Michigan beer company enlisted the help of a seaplane to make six special deliveries to families on waterfront properties. Steve Smith, a.k.a. Aquabear, I don't know why, took off in his seaplane Saturday morning with Joe Short, owner and founder of Short's Brewing Company, to deliver six crates of beer to waterfront properties in Antrim County. The Elk Rapids-based brewery offered a limited run of seaplane deliveries online, and the slots quickly sold out. So what we have is a guy who's the aqua bear, even though aqua beer would probably make a lot more sense. He's aqua bear. They deliver beer via plane to people around the lakes in Michigan. It's a very simple prompt and someone is going to have to go first. Is that going to be RA, Kevin, Nick, who among you is brave enough to be the first to pitch us a story today? I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll always be the, the sacrificial, uh, sacrificial lamb. Um, okay. Right. So I think that, uh, I think that the, the Corona quarantine has affected all kinds of industries. Um, and I think it's also affected the spy game. Okay. So I think that, uh, what you have are multiple safe houses around the lakes, uh, uh, in Michigan. Right. And, that these spies, per the county regulations, haven't been able to get out and uh, get the, re the supplies that they need, up to and including ammunition, guns, fake passports, things like that. And so uh, Aquabear is actually a, uh, uh, an asset who works for uh, the agency, uh, the CIA, and under the guise of uh, delivering alcohol, which is an essential function, uh, he has uh, resupplied uh, all of the spies that are in these safe houses, uh, bringing them, you know, on top of food, you know, weapons and and money and and medicine and things like that. And that the beer is all a front, 
and uh, the the uh, competition online was all a front uh, to give them an excuse to resupply some of their uh, some of their assets in the field. So. All right. Nicely done. Thank you, R.A., for that story pitch. Kevin, Nick, which of you would like to go second? See, Nick's unmuted go. himself. He's ready. I'm unmuted. I'm ready. Let's hear it. Uh, okay. What we clearly what we have here, I'm watching myself and Kevin's screen, actually. So. <laughs> Inception. <laughs> story on the spot Inception. That's weird. What these guys don't know is I'm actually uh, in Jim and uh, BJ's house as well. <laughs> we just don't know. Um, all right, what we've clearly got here is a, um, uh, a sting operation um, that the, uh, the, the CIA is working with this small seaplane company to track um, some, uh, some Russian spies that have uh, infiltrated Canada and are trying to get into the United States. Um, now, these spies, they know, um, love beer. And so what they're doing is uh, they've, they've put a tracker device in one of the six packs of beer that, that um, Aqua Bear is delivering. And uh, they're, you know, making it look like he's delivering it to just six people, six random guys. But one of the people uh, that he's delivering to is one of the, one of the Russian spies um, who has a boat and is about to go on a massive operation uh, to get into the United States. So they're, uh, they're hoping he brings the beer with him. He throws it on the boat. There's a little uh, entrance to the United States. And they're going to track him all the, the whole way, until at least until he drinks the beer and throws it over the side. All right. Thank you, Nick Thacker. All right, Kevin Tomlinson, bring us home for the first story. What do you have? What's your story pitch? Okay. I think this comes down to alien invasion. Uh, what we have is Aquabear is an operative for a uh, an, a... Uh, he's the front man for an alien invasion. What he's doing is preparing the way. So we need, uh, the aliens need to have uh, basically host bodies and they need to start in isolated areas. So the first thing they did was uh, get in touch with, they actually took over Aqua Bear and uh, got him, recruited him to do their work for them. And he's actually delivering vials of uh, infected material that are disguised as alcohol. And when the people consume them, they will become infected by the alien uh, uh, creatures. And then those will take over and use the bodies as hosts. And that's how the invasion begins. All right. Thank you, Kevin Tumlinson. Hey, so it would be, it would be uh, invasion of the hoppy snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> invasion of the hoppy snatchers there's a good place to use our first new graphic invasion of the hoppy snatchers perhaps so uh vote comment below let us know which of those pitches you think wins the round and i'm going to put this up here again story number two i'm not dead yet when juan ramon alfonso panayo 20 of paraguay Failed to return after leaving his home, his family assumed the worst. The town lies in the border with Brazil, reported the BBC, and is a hotbed of illegal drug activity. Police found a charred body three days later and called Panayo's family, who accepted that the burned beyond recognition remains had to be him, and they proceeded with funeral arrangements. At the ensuing wake, Panayo walked nonchalantly into the room, wondering whose funeral it was. The non-Panayo body was returned to the morgue. All right, Kevin has disappeared. So, oh, there he is again. Okay, so what you've got here is a clear case of a Paraguayan guy who 
who disappeared, went on a little, um, it doesn't say where he went, but he was just off for a few days having fun. He's a 20-year-old guy. And his parents think he's the charred remains. So during the funeral, he comes in. is like, what's everybody doing here? Who would be the like to be the first to pitch us a story based on this little prompt? Yeah, I'll go first. All right, Kevin. Just, just in case uh, I get booted again. Uh, okay, so I think this is um, this is an alternate reality scenario. Uh, I like these. So our uh, our guy, what's his name? Paneo. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So Paneo uh, really was uh, captured and murdered by uh, this drug cartel, and the guy who walked into this thing is actually a Paneo from an alternate reality. And uh, what we've got here is a case of the uh, drug runners have been. Uh, he stumbled onto something they're doing, uh, some technology they've stolen that they think is going to help them run drugs across the border a lot easier, like almost like a stealth technology. Like they've tried it out and what they found is, you know, they can go in here and they come out on the other side of the border. But what they've really been doing is tearing open a, a hole in the fabric of space and time. And when they murdered Pineo, who had stumbled onto their activities, they were trying to hide, uh, keep all this secret. But they accidentally let in an alternate version of him who walks in on this funeral. All right. Thank dun, you. Dun, 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 Kevin Tomlinson. All right. Nick or RA, would you like to go next? I'll go. I'll, I'll let I'll let Nick uh, recover from that sneeze and uh, think for a couple more. <laughs> think for a couple more like seconds. Like five people over here that just died. But I know. That's awful, man. Patient X. Um, all right. So I think that. Uh, this whole situation is the is the uh, the interlude to a, a a straight thriller book uh, with a counterterrorism team, you know, Rainbow Six style, you know, that's not beholden to any countries or anything like that. Uh, the area that they're talking about down there in Brazil and Paraguay um, is part of the triple frontier, you know, where the three borders meet down there, and uh, it's it is a hotbed for you know crazy drugs and things like that, and so I think that. This is just the beginning of uh, the story that our friend Paneo left uh, and was kidnapped uh, by drug traffickers uh, because he had information relevant to them. Uh, they let him go. And then, you know, the whole conundrum with uh, the wrong person at the wake would alert the authorities. The authorities would ask for help from our shadowy uh, international uh, uh, thriller uh, strike team. And then they would go down to the triple frontier and and use that as a gateway to, you know, start uh, putting it into some of the uh, the cartel uh, gangs down there. So this is all just the very beginning of a of a really hard uh, thriller story. So. All right. Very nice. Thank you, R.A. McGee. And now I believe Nick Thacker is the last <laughs> remaining contestant. Nick, what's your story pitch well, for I'm Not Dead Yet? The uh, the, the answer, guys, I mean, this is just a classic case of, uh, of a legal uh, drug cartel that um, Paneo is trying to actually get off the ground. So he's trying to compete with these guys um, between the government and the cartels that are already down there. Um, it's almost impossible to get anything over the border from um, Brazil into uh, Paraguay. Right. And so what he's doing is he's trying to start kind of a local thing based on um, a miracle drug type thing, a miracle illicit drug from uh, the rainforest um, down over the cliffs into, into uh, Brazil. So he's found it, he's found a source, but the only way to get it in is uh, inside of a body. Um, now, he can't just do that because that's a pretty common uh, thing to do, drug cartel runners. 
I think. So um, they have, you know, people that, uh, that check for that kind of stuff at the border. Now, what he cooked up was this idea that if he can die, um, his, his family will look for him. There'll be a publicized event um, long before um, he actually tries to get the drugs across the border. And so by the time he's able to go get a body in Brazil um, of, of somebody, uh, some homeless guy there and uh, char it so it's unrecognizable and then put the drugs inside and get it to the border, there's already a very plausible story that he's uh, gone missing. So when he, disguised, goes to the border and says, hey, I'm bringing this body back home. Uh, this is the body of uh, Pineo. Uh, here's all the stories and stuff. And everyone looks and says, oh, it's just a normal kid. Let it go across the border. Well, now he's got a body across the border in Paraguay with the drugs inside of it, and he can start his illegal operation. Right. Very nice. Thank you, Nick Thacker. Uh, if you're watching... Vote by comment. Which of those story pitches won the round? Let us know. Uh, Nick's pointing at himself. All right. So this is called Like Mother. Simon Kondorura was joined by dozens of male relatives mourning his mother's death in North Taraha, Indonesia, as they carried her coffin to a Lakian, a wooden stilt structure upon which the departed are placed during traditional funeral ceremonies. As they hoisted the coffin up on a bamboo ladder, the ladder broke. The coffin fell, striking people in the crowd, including Samen himself, who suffered a severe head injury and died on the way to the hospital. Also could have called the story like, you're going to be the death of me or something like that, something a mother would say. But uh, it's a little bit reversed because, um, oops, Kevin Tomlinson is back. Hello, Kevin Tomlinson. Welcome back to Story on the Spot. <laughs> Go ah, away for a minute. Good to be here. <laughs> good to be good back. To be here. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, this guy in Indonesia, his mother died, and they were going to put him up on the big thing, like they put uh, the big funeral pyre, kind of, uh, but it collapsed and fell off, and the coffin hit the guy and killed him. So, who would like to be the first to pitch us a story based on this idea? Who hasn't gone first yet? Uh, mm. Nick, Nick has it, right? Yeah, Nick is looking away, trying like he's trying to sit in the back of the class and not get noticed. <laughs> Nick Thacker, we're looking at you right there. I can even, I can even make you the only person on the screen. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, I think what we've got here is a, a classic story, just like the Egyptian uh, queen that was um, when you know when she died, um, the curse was set on her uh, her, her deceased body. Um, this woman uh, in Indonesia is actually um, the great-granddaughter of a queen, and um, there's a curse around the family's name. Modern times, everyone's sort of forgotten about it, and so nobody realizes that uh, when she died, um, she needed to be buried in a certain way, and that anybody um, who didn't respect or honor the wishes of this person um, or knew about the location of her grave will be killed. So we're entering the story in medias res, right? Where this is all starting to happen, but what we realize is all these people are gonna die um, at some point in time in the near future because uh, they know where her mother, where their mother's body is. So you've got the story is one, key, one, it's told by one of the sons who's trying not to die. So it's sort of like a final destination meets uh, like an Egyptian, uh, Egyptian curse type story. All right. Okay. Thank you, Nick Thacker. Kevin R.A., who would like to go second? We put the story back up here. 
so you can see. Mm, who wants to go second? I can. I can go. I don't mind. All right. All right. What you got for us today? Okay, so I uh, I'm a little mad at Nick for stealing the the final destination angle because uh, that's where I wanted to go. That's what I get for not going first. Um, but what I think is that we have a case of uh, of death. Uh, always wanting to make sure it gets its due. I think the mom uh, was in a very bad car crash when she was a youth. She was taken to a hospital and that the doctors uh, had to do a very experimental procedure to save her life. They had to, you know, crack open her chest, bring her heart out. And they had to, you know, give her chest compressions for the heart itself. And back then that wasn't very common. And uh, they managed to keep her alive. But the cost is, is that death uh, is not happy that, you know, she didn't come with him when she was supposed to. And I think that the mother has spent her whole life, you know, outrunning death in one manner or the other. Um, you know, pedestrian things like making sure that her steaks are well done so she can't get food poisoning all the way to, you know, driving, a, you know, an old station wagon with pillows and mattresses all over it so she doesn't get in a car crash and i think that the problem is is that um since she was supposed to die anything that she created in the world wasn't supposed to exist and so that the son you know was never supposed to be born and so death always wanted to take the mother and he took this opportunity to clear up two of his mistakes and while the mother died he also used that opportunity to kill the son and the cycle, you know, was complete and the scales were balanced. And uh, that's the type of, uh, of situation that we're dealing with. So. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So Kevin Tomlinson, it's down to you with our like mother story. What is your pitch? Okay. I have not yet been able to read this entire thing. So. Oh no. <laughs> uh, Okay. Okay. Um, oh man, I like our I like our ace. Uh, his his story's the best. <laughs> That's <laughs> your story was the same as his, so, but it was like can, the original. I was the OG, <laughs> the OG Final Destination ripoff. Can we mark down the time that Kevin said my story was the best? I want to keep track of that for posterity. <laughs> I, I'll confess that I didn't hear Nick's story, but I still don't think it was as good as ours. Um, Ouch, man. Okay, so I think uh, what we've got is a. Uh, this scenario is a is an elaborate uh, hit. So this the son is actually a member of a is a high profile member of a uh, of a uh, an international group of of uh, sort of a cult like group, but they're you know they're basically sort of a all my words are escaping me right now. They're 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 a secret society, a secret order, and uh, in order to get to them, they've uh, this this hitman had to construct a sort of Rube Goldberg type uh, scenario where he actually is responsible for killing the mother. He actually killed the mother, poisoned her or did something so that she would die to flush this guy out into the open so that he could then trigger a chain reaction that made it look like he died in this like series of odd events. But in reality, it was the point was to take him out uh, all along. 
And because he's gone, there's now a power vacuum in this, this secret society. And the, the, uh, the guy who orchestrated the hit can step in and take over uh, in that role without his rival getting in the way. All right. Thank you, Kevin Tumlinson. So let us know if you're watching which of those story pro- or those pitches for Like Mother, which one of those you thought win so we can figure out. We can figure out who's going to win this episode. I'm going to put this back up here real quick. Our next story, Cardboard Javier, Cardboard Javier scores big. During the 2014 World Cup, five friends in Durango, Mexico, made a pact to travel to the 2018 tournament in Russia. But just before they boarded the ship, one of the five, Javier, told his friends his wife put the kibosh on his trip. So the remaining four did the next best thing. They made a cardboard life-size cutout of Javier looking grumpy and wearing a shirt that says, my wife didn't let me go, and set off for Russia. Cardboard Javier has been very popular at the soccer venues, attracting female admirers, appearing on the big screen, crowd surfing, and being photographed with fellow football fans from all over the world. So what we have here is uh, some, some guys from Mexico going to they went to the oh, we keep losing losing kevin here um that he's back so these five guys wanted to go to the world cup but only four of them could go so they made a cardboard cutout of their friend to bring him with and their friend is actually becoming incredibly popular friend is probably uh, cardboard javier is probably more popular than real life javier who would be the like who would like to be the first to pitch us a story based on this will i throw up some votes appreciate everybody voting on this previous stories ra and nick are getting lots of votes so uh kevin there's a, a warning for you you guys step it up on this next one needs to really hit cob- cardboard javier scores big out of the park who wants to be the first <laughs> am i gonna have to pick somebody i can go all right nick what do you got so i think Clearly, to me, what we've got here is just a typical story of a of a a, a corporate um, what, what would you call it? like a a big like a really big marketing ploy. Uh, so Javier actually works for a company um, in Mexico that's trying to launch a YouTube channel. Um, and so what they've uh, what they've done is they've decided to fake this whole idea of um, this guy going with them to the World Cup to try to get you know plays and stuff so that. Eventually, that name will generate some, uh, some subscribers to their YouTube channel where they can then sell um, the product that they're trying to sell. And the product they're trying to sell is really, really cool. Um, and, absolutely <laughs> and that's why it's a thriller. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Give me that damn dun dun dun. That's, that's an ironic dun dun dun. That's a, it's a pity dun dun dun. Best thing I've read there. <laughs> All right. R.A. and Kevin, who would like to be the second to tackle this story about cardboard? Javier Javier scores big. Uh, well, Kevin just removed himself again. Kevin, Kevin noped right out of here. Kevin <laughs> noped right out of here. So <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. So uh, this. So what I think is that the story that we're following right now is not uh, the real story uh, that's important. I think that what we're dealing with, and maybe in a story on the spot first. Uh, I think we're dealing with a uh, a cozy mystery, okay? I think we're dealing with a cozy mystery. I think that 
Javier's wife gets a bad rap. I think that Javier and his wife uh, work at a bakery together and that they solve some of the more colorful and innocent crimes that take place around Jalisco and that his wife wanted him to go, uh, but there was just a murder uh, that took place a couple streets over of an old woman. And so he had to tell the guys that he couldn't go because him and his wife are, are actually uh, solving mysteries together. And I think that this is a, this is the beginning of their, their cozy mystery story while he's taking care of, of keeping the community safe with his wife and baking his cookies. Uh, his buddies are just having a good time thinking that he's a, uh, he's uh, a whipped guy, but I think that he's uh, solving a cozy, cozy mystery. So do they solve mysteries with the fat cat who sleeps in the uh, bakery window? Absolutely, man. Well, these, they actually have a boxer. That's what they have. They have a dog. It's a boxer. Uh, and the boxer eats all the, uh, the, the, the cake that they drop on the floor. So. Okay. Well, Kevin Tumlinson just reappeared and his name is different. He is now annoyed. Kevin, why are you annoyed? I can't seem to actually, everything you guys say is a stutter, so I don't mm. know if you guys are hearing me or not. Uh, Make fun of my speech impediment, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in trouble, guys. Sorry. Understood. I'm just going to say, my, I'll summarize my story this way. Invasion of two-dimensional people. There we go. <laughs> So it's like a Paper Mario tie-in. Yeah, we are being in, slowly invaded by two-dimensional beings. <laughs> this is the start. All right. Hey, okay, so I think due to our collective internet issues, maybe this should be the last story we go through today. So, Nick, why don't you bring us home with a killer story for Cardboard Javier Scores Big? Wait, did you already go? Yeah, I mean, what the hell? Was mine not good enough the first time or what? <laughs> I'm trying to keep like 50 different... In the, in the 10 seconds you gave me. I'm trying to keep like 50 <laughs> different things here in mind as we're going through this. So everybody went. Okay, let's do one more then. We still have a few minutes. This one. Okay. Well, I'll just leave this up in case Kevin decides to get either more annoyed or come back. This is called Weird Wiener. I'm just going to make him talking to my computer. There he is. <laughs> Visitors crowding into a Vancouver, Canada street festival were invited at $38 each to try a new health craze, hot dog water. The drink is marketed as a gluten-free, keto, diet-compatible, post-workout source of sodium and electrolytes in every sleek bottle, which promises to help with weight loss, also contains a hot dog. It's also a prank. In small print at the bottom of the sales sheet is this disclaimer, hot dog water and its absurdity hopes to encourage critical thinking related to product marketing and the significant role it can play in our purchasing choices. Or you could probably choose to view it as not a prank and just have some $38 hot dog water because it comes with a hot dog. Connected to the computer right now. It comes with a hot dog. So how can you beat that? Okay, so we've got we've got RA and we have Nick and Kevin uh, sharing <laughs> sharing one login. Um, yeah. RA, Nick, Hold Kevin, on. Kevin's Kevin's saying some very choice words right now. Give me a give me a minute. Things to say. <laughs> this is all just an elaborate ploy for Kevin to have more time to read the story. I guess I'm just going to say that. I'm out. I'm out. It sounds like it. It sounds fishy. Right, well, give, give me a good idea for this one because I don't I don't know about this wiener kid. <clears throat> 
All right, so who wants to go first? Ari, do you want to go first since you have the uh... – I'll, I'll, Yeah, I'll go. I'll go, man. I, let these guys uh, <laughs> sort their lives out over there in, in Texas. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> so this is what I think. I think that uh, I think that we are dealing with a uh, uh, a psychopathic music fan, okay? Uh, kind of like – I don't know if you saw the movie The Fan – with uh, Wesley Snipes and like Robert De Niro, and like it was just all weird and stuff. I think that you have someone who never uh, got over their love of Limp Biscuit in the early two thousands. <laughs> okay, they never got over their love of Limp Biscuit in the early two thousands, and so this guy he's been trying everything he can to get his idol, who is Fred Durst, to pay attention to him, and nothing's worked. He's he's went to places where he's recording. You know, I think Fred Durst actually makes movies now. You know, the guy shows up on set. He's just doing everything he can to get Fred. Fred Durst has had to get restraining orders and everything. And so this is his last desperate plea for Fred Durst to pay attention to him, even if it means getting sued for for stealing the name. Because, you know, if you guys will remember, uh, Lint Biscuits, uh, penultimate album i think was called uh the chocolate starfish and the hot yeah, dog, hot dog flavored, flavored water. water yeah it really went there, man. was went there. so i it's the only I place i could go with the rest hot dog of my life without water. hearing the name fred durst and limp biscuit again but they they, they I mean, did it in mission I got possible you, and you got me man. You got that's me. right man you like rick it's like so, a modern day rick uh, roll it is i'm bringing it back man so uh so that's what this guy's doing he's putting this out there he's trying to get fred durst's attention uh so he can have a sit down and tell him how much he means to him and that's why uh he's selling hot dog flavored water so i just well you want you want another real answer is there a real answer what we got here it's a classic case of hot dog water no, no, this is, this is a classic case of nanobytes technology um, and, uh, and, and governmental uh, um, medicating of the population. Uh, so they tried the, the fluoride in the water thing. That didn't really take off. Now what they've got is a way to actually get nanobytes um, into people's systems so that they can uh, right now track them, but eventually control them, um, be able to uh, uh, essentially these, once the nanobytes are inside the people, then the government will be able to uh, to actually turn on or off certain functions within humans by letting the nanobytes block or um, open certain passageways, like uh, neural passageways, things like that. Um, and the way that, they, the, unfortunately, the way that they figured out how to do this, um, they need to get so many nanobytes in people's systems that people would notice that they're going into their system. So they couldn't just put it in Coca-Cola because people would notice there's like little pieces of, it's like a little sludge kind of thing that they're drinking and then nobody would drink it. So the only way they figured out how to do it was to create it, these nanobots and roll them up into a really tight roll that looks exactly like a hot dog. And so um, it kind of tastes salty like a hot dog. And, and so they throw the beanie weenie into the water bottle and sell it for 38 bucks because the nanobites aren't cheap. Um, and they're passing it off as this super uh, healthy keto thing and telling people to drink it. And what happens is as soon as it hits the water, it starts breaking down. And people just think it's a hot dog, but it's actually the nanobite. Just drink it right up, not really thinking about it. Now the nanobites are in people's system. And uh, that's it. That's and classic, it's also classic, classic nanobot story. I mean, 
Yeah. And also, it's just these are early adopters, so those prices are going to come yeah. down over time. Absolutely. Right? Those prices. I mean, once there's some competition, <laughs> once uh, once Elon Musk gets behind the nanobite, uh, nanobot stuff, um, it'll be a little bit nano dog. It'll be a nano dog. You'll have a, like a nano chili dog. You'll in the water. All kinds of cool stuff. People do it. All right, I yeah. love the nanobot story, but I got to be honest, it is very hard to beat a Fred Durst related. <laughs> Desiree says that thanks that's, to Nick, she's terrifying. Yeah, you know, Desiree, that's, that's the closest I'm going to get to a vote by Desiree. <laughs> a vote from her, the closest I'll ever get. I don't know is uh, um, is is Kevin going to rejoin us or did he leave away and quit the show and discuss? He seems to be a little pouting over here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's. He, he texted me that whole idea. So uh, <laughs> really, all votes go to Kevin. No, I'm just kidding. Pouting I'm Kevin. Myself. Pouting Kevin. Well, He's I guess... not pouting. He's trying to Google why the fuck his phone isn't working. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm going to put our websites here, and I'm going to put up a little reminder to vote by comment. Uh, make sure you visit jimheskett.com, kevintomlinson.com, nickthacker.com rmcgee.com and or you can just com, <laughs> which probably will you know you probably go there and it's like get a 2003 if you're it's probably a MySpace page if you want to see what an antique web page looks like i imagine go to the limp biscuit web page <laughs> i can't so joan, believe joan doesn't know who fred is um, i think we should probably link to some limp biscuit albums so they give it all for the nookie yeah i'll update story on that I'll update story on the spot.live so it has Limp Biscuits discography there. That's so, so awesome. <laughs> no, All two I'm, albums of it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to listen to break stuff right now when I get off of here. I'm not Man. even kidding. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> okay, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching Story on the Spot. And I hope you'll check out all the stuff below. Vote, comment, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Later.